Did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody looks like they're still in a food coma to me. When we were back for the teacher's service this morning, Andy Weiler was leading songs, and he decided to start on time at 8.30, and I think there were four people in the room. And those came in. So you're wondering about the no notes. That's part of it. I understand it's a holiday weekend, and uh, I figured, hey, let's just kind of take it a little different different direction, do more of a devotional style lesson, and that way I don't have to spend the time getting notes together. How's that? Nothing selfish involved there. But anyway, I want to welcome everybody out. Uh, one quick uh, announcement I've been asked to let you guys know about in the uh, small dome, at the far end of the small dome, next to the entrance to the bookstore, you will find a big wooden box with uh, some labels on the front of it. And what those labels are, are the different ages and genders of children who are, who are in need at Christmas time. And uh, we ask you to take one of those if you're, if you're so inclined, want to help a child out. Uh, I believe it's a $20 gift that you bring back, put in the box, and we make sure that gift gets to a child that is in need. And so uh, Tim said he forgot to bring it up last week. Christmas is coming. I'm sure you all enjoyed Black Friday and you know all about this. And so uh, we want to remember to give to others and help others during this time of the season also. So anyway, we have been talking about resolving everyday conflict. Uh, We've been looking at this in some smaller groups uh, throughout the week. In fact, those are listed in your bulletin. If you say, what's that all about? Or, hey, uh, I've got a conflict or I have conflicts all the time. I'd like some more information on how to deal with those. We invite you to come to one of our small groups. Uh, We do have a larger group that meets here on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. And just really looking at what the Bible says about how to resolve conflicts. I don't know about you, but conflict is a normal part of my life. Now, I've got to qualify that because I think most of the times when we think conflict, we think fight. Is that not correct? Okay, we think war. We think loud voices and, and things being thrown, perhaps. That's not what a conflict is. A conflict ultimately is just two people who disagree. Now, if you talk to anybody before noon, you're going to find somebody who disagrees with you. Now, some of those disagreements are are very trivial, okay? Cardinals or Cubs, very trivial, okay? Cubs or Rams, I mean, uh, Bears or Rams, we know how that went last week, right? Very trivial. We can disagree about that. Other conflicts are much more vital to our existence. Okay? Um, When it comes to being married. Where you spend vacation. How you spend your money. How you budget your money. How you raise your children. There are going to be natural disagreements and thus conflicts with that. God never intended for us to avoid conflicts. You know that? I believe He intended for us to avoid them escalating. And and that's what we've been talking about. And guys, ultimately, guys, our our theme here for the year, if you're visiting with us, has been sink down roots and raise up fruit. And that has been our focus. We understand that God expects us as people, as followers of Jesus, to be fruitful. That's what he said. 
If you look at John 15, it's very plain. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to have to bear fruit in your life. But we also understand the Bible teaches that if you're going to bear fruit, you've got to have your roots in the right place. And we started the year talking about being rooted in God's love and rooted in the Lordship of Jesus. And guys, I just want to tell you that when we look at resolving everyday conflict, this is really a Lordship issue. I mean, that's really what it is. When you look at it, I, I, I've said this, and, I, it, it, and I'm kind of changing my thought process, but resolving conflict for a person who is following Jesus is kind of Christianity 101. I mean, it really is. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, resolving conflict should be a very natural part of your existence. Do you know that? Jesus doesn't expect us to live in open conflict with people. He doesn't expect us to look behind and see a string of broken relationships, a string of broken friendships, because we can't get along with each other. Now, we understand that it's usually the other people's fault, right? Okay? That's the way we usually think. And guys, today all we're going to look at, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 12. And I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to to turn there with me. Uh, It will be on the screen. And we're going to focus down around verses 13 through 15, but we want to read beginning from verse 1 down and following to get the context of what's going on. And I want to encourage you, anytime you're reading the Bible, guys, and you find something that strikes you, whether it's challenging or encouraging or convicting, to look at the context of what's happening. What that means is read before and read after. Okay? It's amazing what God will enlighten you to when you do that. And so let's begin this passage and go from there. Beginning in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. That's a little scary all by itself, isn't it? Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, He's the one to fear. What price? What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, 
don't worry about how to defend yourselves or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. He has a conflict. Jesus replied, Who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Guys, I read that whole passage because when you look at the first 11 verses, Jesus is teaching these people, this group of people. It says it's literally thousands where people are stepping upon each other. And if you, if you were to summarize what he's teaching them in those first 11 verses, I'm going to tell you it is simply trust God. That's what it is. He's saying to trust God. You think about it. He says, don't fear him who can kill the body. He says, don't worry about what, later on he goes on to say, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. What you need to fear is God. And you need to trust that God will take care of you. Now, it's interesting, this man comes to Jesus. He he chooses to speak up in a crowd of thousands of people to ask Jesus a question. I guess it's more than asking a question, it's making a demand, isn't it? I've never been one that's been brave enough to heckle anybody. I don't, some of you have been, I know, because I've been on the other end of that up here. But this man has the, the gall, the courage, the audacity, whatever you want to say, to speak up when Jesus is teaching and to ask him or demand that he solve this problem he has. Now, I find it interesting that Jesus has just talked about trusting God, and he says, no, I want, to take, I want you to take care of this for me. But I want you to take care of it the way I want you to take care of it. Now, I don't know about you. Has anybody ever went to Jesus with a problem before? Have you ever went with the solution in mind as well? I think this guy had a very specific solution in mind. I mean, it's actually, he's coming to him with a legal question. Okay, I believe the way the Jewish law was, uh, the oldest son was in charge of the estate, is supposed to be divided a certain way, uh, and the, the brother wasn't doing it. But guys, what I find most interesting about this is Jesus' reply. Not just that he says, no, I'm not going to do that. He says, I'm not that kind of a judge. I've not been appointed judge to take care of such things. He says no, but then he goes on, and what does he say? Beware of all kinds of greed. Now, if you were the man that heard this, do you think you would think, yeah, that's right, my brother's greedy? I think he probably did. I wonder if he didn't think that. But guys, what's really happening is Jesus is turning the tables on the man. You see, you need to understand something that's plain as day, and this story illustrates it. That when you come before Jesus for anything, He's not concerned about somebody else. When you come before Jesus with anything that's going on, His concern is you. 
I've heard preachers who have said, you know, somebody would come up to him afterwards and go, you were talking to me, weren't you? He goes, well, no, I was talking to somebody who didn't show up today. You know, as a joke, of course, well, as a group, yes, I was. No, I don't know what's going on with you, but yes, I was speaking to you. See, this guy is coming to Jesus and wanting Jesus to talk to somebody else. And that's just not how God works. When you have a conflict, God wants you to look at you first. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about in the, in the, in the, in the REC groups uh, coming up about how you need to get the log out of your eye first. Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 7. We're not going to do anything more with that today other than point, point you at it. But this is an example of Jesus telling that. Well, you've got a problem, young man, and you've got your greedy. Now, I'm going to ask, ask you a question. And that is, how comfortable are you with Jesus telling you what to do? How comfortable are you with Jesus telling you you're wrong? Your motive is wrong and that you need to do something different. You see, because guys, that's what's going on here. And the crazy part about it, the crazy part about it is that's what we should expect when we go to Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus isn't concerned with somebody else as much as he's concerned with you. And if you're trying to follow Jesus, if that's the, 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 the basis for your relationship with God, is that Jesus is Lord of your life, shouldn't we have an expectation that the Lord tells us what to do? I can't tell you how many years I had that screwed up. How many years I had that backwards. God, Jesus wants you to look at you first. You see, several years ago, we had a situation. Uh, I was sitting in a group in someone's home, and someone in the group brought up a problem they had. And it was a problem that was about to go to the courts. They had, gotten, they had hired lawyers to deal with their problem. And they were asking the group, what should... You know, what do you think about this? I mean, they weren't saying it right like that, but the fact that they were bringing it up and bringing it out into the open and, and, and inviting. And, and honestly, I think what they were trying to do is get people on their side was their motive. And it's one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in trying to help somebody. Because, I mean, I had this urge to say something, and I didn't say it. You know what I'm saying? I thought, this is what I should say, and I just didn't have the courage to say it. And what I should have said was, are you interested in seeing what Jesus has to say about this situation? Because they had already said, well, this particular situation isn't mentioned in the Bible. And it wasn't directly. I, I admit that. It, was over, it had to do with the custody of a child. I guess the closest thing you have is in the Old Testament where there was a custody issue, and Solomon said, let's cut the baby in half. Okay? I don't think they wanted to look at that. It didn't apply. <laughs> because there was, I mean, it was instantly coming to mind because right off the bat, the very first thing is they're about to take, take, take legal action against another believer. And the Bible says you're not supposed to do that. You know that? I mean, it's like, do you care what Jesus says about this? If we can show you things that apply to what your situation, 
Are you going to listen to them? Are you going to do it? And guys, what it is getting back to is exactly what I said in the beginning. And that is, it's a test of our lordship. Is Jesus really Lord of your life? When you come into a conflict and you can, you're struggling with it, and you're having difficulty on how to deal with it, you are going to be confronted with, is Jesus really the Lord of your life? You see, because Jesus is not going to deal with the other person without dealing with you first. And there are several things. The the situation I was telling you about, if we would have looked at it, we would have said, well, what is your attitude towards the other person right now? Okay? Do you view them as an enemy or do you view them as, as a brother or sister? What's the situation? And it was clear. <laughs> they were an enemy. Well, do you know Jesus has some things to say about your enemy? He says to pray for your enemy. He says to love your enemy. He says to do good to those who persecute you. He says that if somebody slaps you on one cheek, you ought to let them slap the other. He says if they force you to go one mile with them, you should go two. Is that the approach you're taking with this person? Clearly it wasn't. They were like the man in Luke 12 who they were demanding, I want what I'm entitled to. And Jesus is saying, I got some things I want you to look at. You see, guys, I don't know about you right now, but there, I don't, I, I'm, I'm guessing there's a few people who have conflicts in this room right now. Is that not right? There's some of you who are. I know that. And I don't know to know what the conflict is, but I can sit here off the top of my head and give you a few things that Jesus has to say about dealing with that conflict. Okay? The first one he says in Ephesians 4, he tells you not to go to bed angry. Is anger usually involved in a conflict? Yes, it is. And he says what happens is if you, don't, if you go to bed angry, do you know what happens? You're giving the devil influence in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really like that. And it's interesting with anger. And one of the things that I was asked the question years ago, I was teaching a class that I probably shouldn't have been teaching. And the question was asked, what do you do if the other person won't talk to you? We were looking at this passage of Scripture. What do you do if the other person won't talk to you? If you're angry and you want to talk, because typically this verse in Ephesians 4, it talks about husband, when people are talking about it, it's a husband and a wife talking about how we decided we would never go to bed angry. Now, we've been up till 3 in the morning every night this week. Okay? Because we're talking it out. And so the end, somebody in the room brought up the question, well, what if the other person won't talk to you? The passage says nothing about the other person talking to you. The passage says you don't go to bed angry. You letting go of your anger, you refusing to be angry, has nothing to do with another person talking to you. Did you know that? See, because we don't, we don't do that. We think they make me so mad. They make me so mad, and I'm just upset about it. And every time I see them, I'm just reminded of it. People mention their name, and I'm reminded of it, and I can't do anything about it. And yes, you can. Yes, you can. That or Jesus asks you to do something that's impossible. Your choice. Let me give you another one that he said. Jesus said, do not worry. 
Is there usually worry involved in a conflict? Worried about the outcome? Jesus says, don't worry. But you don't understand, Gary, there's a lot of money involved here. I didn't say it, Jesus did. Okay, talk to him. But guys, he says, do not worry. A lot of times we're in a conflict, and just like I said with this other situation I was in, we view that other person as an enemy. And they may be an adversary who is out to do you harm. That could be true. What does Jesus say? You need to love them. You need to pray for them. You need to do good for them. He also says that you need to submit to one another. You need to look not only to your interests, but to the interests of others. You see, guys, when you go to God, He wants you to look at you. And you're in the middle of a conflict right now. I just want to tell you, God's trying to teach you something. God wants to show you something. Guys, this is Christianity 101. Jesus is Lord, so He's got a few things He wants to tell you. And He's using a conflict to get your attention and to teach you something. The question is, are you open to that? The question is, are you open to that approach? You see, guys, I'm going to close here real quick. And we're going to read a passage in Psalm 73 about a guy that wrestled with this. And one of the things you need to understand is conflict doesn't always have to do with another person. You can be conflicted with yourself. You can be in conflict with God. And He wants you to get it resolved. And in Psalm 73, there is a passage, and we're going to read the whole thing. And what this passage tells you, or or, or tells us, it's an example of a guy that wrestled through this. He did some good things. He did some bad things. But he laid it out there as an example for us. And guys, I just want to ask you where you are. I'm going to read through it. I'm going to stop and talk a little bit. And I want to ask you, you, where are you at? Are you slipping like this guy is? Or what's going on? Let's read through it. Boy, this keeps jinking up on me. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud. When I saw them prosper despite their wickedness, they seemed to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches 
multiply. Have you ever had that problem? You look at what's going on in everybody else's life. You look at what's going on in the person you're in conflict with, and he just gets you ate up. He goes on, this is, this, is where, this is where you go. He goes, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? What's the point of all this living for God stuff? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Now, here's the one place that he, he, this guy really he saved himself. He did good. He says, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. You see, guys, he understood what? He's going to keep these strong feelings to himself. He stopped short of spreading his bitterness. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams. In the morning. See, guys, what he's doing there, he's, too, he's understanding. When he goes before the presence of God with his problems, he understands, I need to trust you, God. I need to trust you to deal with them. That's not my problem. I can't control them. But then he goes on. Then I realized that my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. See, guys, that's what happens when you go before God, is God shows you where you are at. He goes on, he says, and here's the grace of God, he says, yet I still belong to you. You hold me. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. See, guys, he makes a choice that says, I'm going to trust God no matter what. And I love that line. He says, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. God's never, God doesn't promise you health and wealth. Do you know that? He doesn't promise you everything's going to work out the way you want. He promises you can have something more valuable than anything else, and that is a relationship with him. It says, those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my shelter. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. See, guys, it's pointless to try to invite people to church or share your faith with somebody unless you understand how wonderful God really is. Unless you understand 
that He wants you to look at you first. Let's pray and we'll be done.